In spite of the Yankees' continued slide, it's my responsibility to remind you before this podcast begins that it's September 19th and the Irish are undefeated. Yankees Files podcast, we are back. I'm Will Harris, you're Alec Whipple, and the rest of you are probably just as disappointed in the performance of this team in what was really a critical week of baseball as we are. Um, the Yankees just finished dropping two of three to the Indians in incredibly uninspiring fashion and losing three out of four to the Indians and Orioles uh, after they were unable to complete the sweep thanks to a Clay Holmes wild pitch. Uh, so this is this is really not good, and uh, I know I have a lot of problems with what I'm seeing and the product that's being put out on the field and the performance of this team. Um, the Yankees, after today, are... One and a half games out of the second wild card spot with 12 games to go. Six of those games are against the Blue Jays and Red Sox. So in theory, they could play themselves back in. But of course, we do have to now worry about the Rays playing spoiler in that last season of the year, which just a couple weeks ago we hoped would decide the AL East. Uh, Whipple, where are you with this team? It's it's tough. I mean, I think if we had had this podcast a few days ago, we would have probably been more optimistic. The week started off so well with two great wins at Baltimore and then that um, amazing comeback against the Twins on Monday. And the Yankees really just haven't risen to the occasion this year. Every single time we've said this is the series, this is the game they have to win, they've taken one step forward and two steps back. And yeah, you alluded to the loss in Baltimore. When you're one strike away from beating the Orioles, it's really tough to lose that game. And they, you know, it seemed like they would turn things around on Friday. And then this weekend was just an embarrassment. I mean, Garrett Cole giving up seven runs to the Indians. And yeah, you have to wonder where he is physically um, just because he looked pretty bad today. I think the Indians were all over his pitches, but the and Saturday's game, honestly thought was even worse in some respects. I mean, that was a game that they just like, you can't, you can't melt down like that. If you're Albert Abreu coming in from the bullpen, I mean, that's just an, you're making a non-competitive game. And the end result is the Orioles and the uh, twins were rolled over against the Red Sox and Blue Jays. Red Sox and Blue Jays are doing what they need to do, beating the bad teams. And the Yankees went from being in the playoffs um, on Friday to being back out on Sunday. And like you said, they have control of their own destiny if they want it. But nothing about this team right now makes me feel like they're going to step up to the occasion because all year they have been playing down when when the, the lights shine bright. Yeah. So, I mean, I the to me, the... Clay Holmes game is the is the biggest offender here. Um, first of all, you got to sweep the Orioles. Second of all, when you're one strike away from winning, you need to win. Um, third of all, you can't throw a ton of wild pitches. Um, and finally, like yes, Albert Abreu can't melt down, but um, you know the Yankees were going to need to get the majority of the outs in that game from their bullpen. And, um, you know, Abreu came in and allowed multiple extra base hits, uh, a three-run homer, obviously. Uh, and then Heaney came in and allowed a homer. And then Heaney allowed another homer. Um, and, you know, the Yankees on two straight days had eight hits and didn't score more than three runs in either game, like, I've said it before, I'll say it again, um, you know, it's the, the pitching is a problem now, it is, uh, in the stretch since the winning streak ended, during which time the Yankees are now 7-15, and 15, they have a 4.49 ERA, but that is lower than the ERA of the Tampa Bay Rays, who are now 13-9 and nine in the same stretch. Um, you know, it's, it's not impossible to pitch to a kind of mediocre ERA, uh, you know, in that over a 22 game sample and still be winning games. You know, the Yankees didn't have to do that much better than seven and 15 
to retain a playoff spot. Um, you know, they have the 19th best ERA in the league in, in that span. That's nothing special. Um, but it's not completely dead. Um, and they just, they, they just squandered a ton of opportunities. Um, but you know, as you know, what I'm much more concerned about that we've seen in this stretch is the fact that they just haven't hit. Um, you know, they have a 95 WRC plus in that time. Uh, this team is not going to succeed with a below average offense because teams with below average offenses don't succeed. Um, like the, the main difference between the Yankees and the Rays who have basically identical ERAs since August 28th is the Rays have played to a 114 WRC plus in that time. They're 20 percentage points better offensively. And that makes a massive, massive difference. Um, and it's just, this is, I mean, you, you look at the teams that are up at the top of, uh, the offensive statistics, either on the entire year or just in this recent stretch in this recent stretch, you have Toronto, you have San Francisco, you have Houston, you have Boston, you have Tampa Bay, you have Chicago, all well ahead of the Yankees. What do all of those teams have in common? They're currently in playoff positions. And um, as bad as the pitching has been on a few occasions, um, a couple recent ones, obviously, like these last couple days when there have been just total meltdowns by guys who we thought were quite reliable, or in some cases, guys who are quite reliable, like Garrett Cole. Um, they could have survived this if they would simply hit. And they haven't hit. And... I've said it from the beginning of the year. That's the problem. Um, and I just, I think that this stretch exemplifies that perfectly. Like the Yankees, maybe they don't even bring Albert Abreu in in the fifth inning if they're not getting shut out by Aaron Savali. Like there are all of these things that hitting would solve that the Yankees have consistently failed to solve with hitting. Yeah, and it's really the season of close games and really a lack of blowouts has just, it's added up and this is what's happening. I mean, historically, this is not, I think every Yankees fan out there is like, this is the most, you know, up and down close game season of my lifetime. It's not an exaggeration. So um, an interesting stat I saw, it was a fan graph, a fan graph stat, um, it's the, the leverage index, basically an average game leverage index when a pitcher enters um, as a team for every game, the 2021 Yankees, their average leverage index is 1.27. And so um, that's like, the, that's the highest in baseball, basically the higher, the higher number, the the higher leverage situation it is. And that's not just the highest in baseball. It's the, one of the highest in the last 20 years since they started measuring this. So since 2000, that's the fifth highest. So that means in every single team, every single season, in the last 21 years that this Yankees team has played one of the highest percentages of close games. And you can find a bunch of other numbers that will show you the same thing, you know, percentage of games decided by one or two runs. Um, it, it's just, it's absurd that about, I think over 60% of their games are ending up in these close margins. And what that means is at least on the pitching side, the bullpen has just been really taxed and it, it goes to some, someone like Chad green who you know, has been great, but has had the Homer bugaboo and has blown a lot of close games recently. He's approaching a career high in innings after coming off the pandemic shortened season last year. And um, it, it's very apparent that his velocity is fine, but his his arm angle is not where it was. And the, the batters are seeing his, his pitch is better and he's getting hit. And the balls are getting hit far, and that's always been his issue. But um, slowly over time in the season, I think you can see um, the results of, you know, he's he's striking out guys still. He's he's His velocity is fine, but it's the home runs that are always his issue. And he's suffering, and he's about to set a new career high in innings, and they're all really stressful innings. And Loiza got another guy who's had injury issues on the I.L., um, guys, you know, Albert Abreu, all the middle inning guys, Licky, they are pitching in close situations pretty much every single game, and that catches up to you. 
And we're seeing now a tax depleted bullpen that still isn't getting a cushion. I mean, this weekend, honestly, was probably good for some of those guys because all the games were blowouts. But I really can't remember the last series this year, which all three games were decided by such wide margins. And that's and it all feeds back into the offense because there's no there have been rare, uh, rare occasions this year. I honestly think the number is five and how many times they've double digit runs. Um, and I think they haven't done it since the Orioles series in uh, August, which was I might be wrong on that, but I really I, I think that might have been the last time they scored double digit runs. We're talking a month and a half ago, five games all year. I mean, 2019, 2018, 2017, it was like a weekly occurrence at points where you would just have a game where you could just, you know, a laugher. There are no laughers this year where you can just sit back and turn it over to whoever in your bullpen and just enjoy the fact that you're going to win a close or a nice uh, a game with an easy, uh, you know, eight run, nine run cushion, something like Friday's game. But that, that those have been so rare this year. And I think all the stressful innings, all the, the close games, the overtax bullpen, it all comes back to this offense not scoring enough runs. And the pitching staff has really been trying their best to keep this team in contention. And if they don't make the playoffs, I am not going to blame the pitchers because they're being asked to do something that I think is just beyond the call of most most pitching staff, something that really no other pitching staff has dealt with this year. And like I said, you know, someone like Garrett Cole, I don't think he's 100 percent healthy right now. Um, you know, someone like Chad Green, I'm sure he's he's not feeling 100 percent healthy. I doubt any of those pitchers after the year they've had are feeling great. Um and it's just the fact that the offense isn't scoring runs. You're not going to have those laughers. You're not going to have the blowout wins. Um, and it's just, it's been a really stressful season that's catching up to everyone. And uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, it doesn't look like the, the trend is reversing. Like, like I said, one step forward, two steps back. And it's, it's just a, it's been a very interesting season in that respect. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it all comes back to not scoring runs and, what you always say, hitting the ball on the ground, not hitting enough home runs. It's you, you can't, you know, you can't dance with the devil in April and May and June, July, and then expect in September, you're going to be ready to go. Like it has been a long season. So, I mean, I think you hit on a lot of good stuff there and I don't want to say the cavalry is coming because, you know, it's, it's not, they brought in Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. They have, you know, been, kind of the guys that they are. Um, they tried to catch lightning in a bottle with Luis Heel and Clark Schmidt. They succeeded to different degrees. Um, and in the question of Clark Schmidt, they really didn't succeed, I guess, yet. Uh, Clark Schmidt was just sent down. I'm seeing this basically in real time. The speculation is that there is one very special player for whom Clark Schmidt was sent down. Do you know who that is? Yeah, I mean, I think Severino coming back would be incredible. But I also, before we get too excited, this is a guy who hasn't pitched in the majors in two years, and he hasn't really pitched in the majors that long for most of three years. I just, everybody, this is where I'm going to like, you might be getting ready to be excited. I am just, I, I can't believe that people are that excited about Severino. Like, the guy is not, he's going to help for sure, but he's not going to be a season saver. I just don't get why everyone's acting like this is like going to turn around the season. He's going to come in and be a decent reliever, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's terrible. Yeah. I mean, a, a relief pitcher has never saved the season in the way that we're talking about needing Severino to save the season. Um, this feels highly, highly reminiscent of, um, Gosh, it must have been 2019 Dellen Batansis. Yeah, where he came back for one game, and then didn't he get hurt again? Yeah, he got hurt hopping yeah. off the mound. Like, he struck yep. someone out, did a little trot off the mound, tore his ACL. Yeah. That happened, I, mean, I, I think, obviously off the TV for a long time. <laughs> obviously, God forbid that happened to Luis Severino, but I think, the I think unfortunately, that you're right, and that the... Um, the, the value that Luis Severino provides is, first of all, it's not where this team needs it. And second of all, it's not enough. 
Um, like Luis Severino is not coming back to be a frontline starter. It's it's not at least not this year. You know, hopefully that's what he is next April. But you know, we are not we're not seeing a guy. You know, he's not going to see C. Sabathia this team and pitch every third day. Um, and lead this team to the playoffs, you know, for numerous reasons, including that that probably wouldn't even be enough. It would only be three or four starts. Um, I'm glad that he's back. I think he could be useful on a playoff roster. But, you know, as you've said, it's probably too early to be thinking about a playoff roster. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to be thinking about getting this team to the playoffs, period. And right. and it definitely helps. Don't, don't get me wrong. It definitely helps. Um but I just I caution everyone, you know, just in the fact that he hasn't pitched in the majors in 708 days. And when he did pitch in the majors, it was really three or four starts and then a playoff start. So it's really the better part of three years. Yeah, no, it it absolutely helps. There's there's no question about that. But this is uh, yeah, this, it's it's not something to get too excited about. I think you're exactly right about that. And uh Look, I'm just, honestly, I keep thinking through the scenarios in my head, even if Luis Severino, Jonathan Loizaga, and Jameson Tyone all came back tomorrow. Like, let's be honest. This season comes down to the three series that they're going to play after Texas, and if they don't sweep Texas, they may play themselves out of it before they get to uh, Boston, Toronto, and Tampa. Like right. that's if they lose the series to Texas. I mean, I think if they win two out of three, like either way, I think they have to basically go into this Boston Toronto series winning all of the game. Like I know that's a tall order, but you know, if you're still a game and a half back, like if they sweep Texas, they could still be where they are. Yep. There's no indication that they're gonna gain ground. I think the Boston Toronto series, you have to go in thinking five and one. Yeah, I mean anything worse than five and one is probably not gonna cut it. Uh, it's, this is, this is just not a position that the Yankees ever should have put themselves in. And I am referring to a variety of things when I say it's not a position they ever should have put themselves in. First, um, they should have blown through the luxury tax. Adam Adovino and Garrett Whitlock should be on this team. The fact that they got rid of those guys to keep Brooks Krisky and sign Darren O'Day is still one of the most criminal managerial front office decisions of all time um, in the way that it's affected this team and in the way that it's benefited the Red Sox. Um, I think that's really, really bad. Uh, I think that the regard for the luxury tax is um, is awful I think it does a disservice to fans I think it shows that there are things that this team cares about more than winning um I think second of all the Yankees and in prior years this has been fine uh the Yankees went into this season and have operated for too much of this season under the opinion that they're just going to make the playoffs and they'll put their best guys out there in the playoffs but before that you know they don't need to worry about putting the best lineup out there day after day or anything like that. Well, they still haven't put the full Death Star out there. And the fact that they deliberately sit players who we know are going to create value in the lineup every single day as their grip on a playoff spot, uh, you know, weakens and ultimately evaporates is awful. And it is... It's an indictment of Aaron Boone. It's an indictment of the front office. Um, It's impossible to say whether it's an indictment of the players or not, but I find it very hard to believe that there are players in that clubhouse saying, hey, sorry, Skip, don't play me today. Like, do we think Luke Voigt is in there asking to sit? Because I don't. Um, No. I mean, he asked that he said the exact opposite. A month ago, so we know he's Yeah, not. so that's, you know, I've, I've growing problems with the way that this roster is being handled and this team is being managed, uh, and they all come back to the fact that there's nothing in the way that the Yankees are 
handling this situation that suggests that they really care all that much about winning. And look, if the Yankees had 100 wins already, who cares if they don't care about winning? But they don't. The Yankees are going to have their worst season since 2016, um, you know, barring a very good stretch here. And in 2016, they didn't make the playoffs. They didn't come particularly close. Uh, and we're talking about just having a ridiculous stretch that gives them the opportunity to play one game in Fenway to have the opportunity to play the Rays. This is never how things should have panned out for this team. And I understand that last week we talked about, you know, how some of guys not playing up to their potential is bad luck and this and that. But there's stuff that's under the team's control that they have not handled properly, namely lineup construction and wider roster construction from a, you know, money spending point of view. Um, like making the bullpen worse and making and removing depth after the shortest season ever when you knew workload was going to be a major concern for guys and then having all of your position players with the exception of Aaron Hicks healthy and refusing to put out the most potent lineup in must win games. Like, what is that? That's, I, I don't know how yeah. we can take this operation seriously. Uh, and I think that we as fans expect that they're going to sell out to win games because when you're the New York Yankees, the thing you're supposed to do is win games and they have shown no appetite to do that. And I think that's really, really terrible. Yeah. And I mean, another bullpen move other than Ottavino and Whitlock, which I mean, benefiting the Red Sox is pretty much the worst case scenario. Um, trading Luis Sessa at the deadline because Luis Sessa is going to give you innings, and he's been a, he was a pretty good pitcher this year. The fact you that they to, just you gave need him to away. say you need to say out loud who they traded Luis Sessa for. Oh, sorry, sorry, never mind, never mind. You need to say out loud who they traded um, Jansen Junk for. Because I would rather have Jansen Junk pitching innings on this roster than a certain guy who continues to pitch innings for this roster. The, I, 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 don't, I don't think you should be uh, insulting the dog on this podcast. I know there are some rabid followers of his that don't tolerate any dog slander. It's, it's not slander if it's true, right? <laughs> no, I think they, they the fact if Heaney's still getting innings is less annoying to me the fact that Luis Sessa is not on this team because he was again traded for I think they got someone but not someone who's going to make an impact anytime soon and just so you could stay under the luxury tax that's all it was about and it's the same thing as the Adovino trade at least Heaney they're trying to get a pitcher who's going to help them I, I honestly you know I obviously I know it's uh he has not helped them he has not been good at all but at least you're acquiring depth Instead of just shedding it because you don't want to pay a Wait. guy because you want to stand under the luxury. So, time. yes, I, I agree about the offensiveness of the move in that respect because disdain for the luxury tax is uh, the way the Yankees should be operating and they're operating with incredible respect for the luxury tax and that's terrible. But let's talk through this. The Yankees are bringing Luis Severino back and they sent down Clark Schmidt who they had moved to the bullpen. Can you honestly tell me that it's better to have Andrew Heaney in that bullpen than Clark Schmidt? No. I, I mean, I think Heaney should have been gone yesterday, but I think that at least, like I'm talking back in July, yes, at least at least they were trying to bring in a player. I think that, you know, the fact that he's still on the team speaks to the point of why are they keeping guys who are not helping them win. Ronet Odor, who has barely played in two weeks and is basically on this team because he doesn't take up money in the luxury tax is another example. And it's just we could we could make an entire anthology of non competitive behavior that the Yankees have participated in this year. Yeah. The, um, the lineup stuff, though, is interesting, and not so much the construction, because obviously there are issues with that. 
the fact the sitting guys almost daily picking a new guy to sit because it really does seem like they're still operating like you said like they've already won 100 games and i don't know if that's because aaron boone's first two seasons they did win 100 games and you know the next man up year was like okay whoever we put in this lineup's going to be good and so that's just how he's choosing to operate for the rest of his baseball career when that was a really really good year that was not automatically replicable and this year whoever they're putting in the lineup has not been good you can't just do the same thing of like we're gonna pick and you know pick two bench guys to sub in for two regulars because it's day game after a night game and it'll probably be fine because they'll hit a home run it's such a 2018 2019 mentality and i hate that like i those teams were great i love those teams but those were that's not what you can expect every single year like the expectation that your third or fourth or fifth or sixth string backup infielder is gonna hit 10 home runs with the 300 average like and if that's what what Aaron Boone thinks is baseball norms, and even if he doesn't actually think that, if that's like what his gut is telling him to do, then I'm sorry, he should not be the manager. If that's if that's how he's going to operate, I don't know who makes the lineup, so I'm not willing to say it's anybody's fault. But it does seem like they still operate like the next man up. You know, anyone we put in is going to be good. So why not just give the guys a break, save them for the playoffs? Yeah, I don't know who makes the lineup either. But I do know that that person shouldn't have a job. Um, it's it's really just. I mean, I don't I don't know I don't know how to say it other than there are guys that they are willing to play every day, and there are guys that they are not willing to play every day. Like you know who they don't really take out of the lineup, Aaron Judge. They've played 150 games. Aaron Judge has played in 135 of them, and he has an IL stint. So, you know, there are guys that they're willing to play all the time. And I don't know what puts someone, you know, what makes someone susceptible to the load management regime or, you know, how they select who it is that needs a day off, or why DJ LeMayhew, who, look, like, I have my own problems with DJ LeMayhew and the way he's played this year, but, like, why did DJ LeMayhew start needing days off this year when he didn't need days off before? Um, Why is it that now that Giancarlo Stanton is playing the outfield, he needs fewer days off than he needed in the past? Like, there nothing nothing about it even seems to be done in a consistent or sensible way like in addition to it being a bad philosophy and a stupid thing for them to be doing it's it is in no way obvious that it is helpful in fact it seems quite clear that it's hurtful and yeah i mean i agree whoever whoever is making this load management decision and creating these lineups that insist on uh, including Kyle Higashioka on back-to-back days or, um, or you know, Brett Gardner so frequently or Tyler Wade so frequently or, you know, just all of sitting Luke Voigt very often. It doesn't make any sense. And it's really uninspiring to see this team that we are repeatedly told is doing everything it can to make the playoffs operating this way. Um, And I want to make a distinction here. I believe Aaron Boone when he says these guys want to win. There's no one working harder than these guys. You know, I don't think it's about effort. I believe all that. But I want the effort to be coming from different guys and Aaron Boone or someone, you know, higher up than Aaron Boone is deciding that he'd rather see Brett Gardner and Tyler Wade's best effort than Luke Voigt's. And I think that that's stupid. I think it's illiterate. I think it is disrespectful to this fan base. And I think it's non-competitive behavior. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just this 2017 to 2021 team. Like, there's, you know, baseball has a lot of surprises. And I don't think anyone is closing the book on this chapter of Yankees history. But you can't deny that there has been a lot that's been mismanaged. There's been a lot that has a lot of decisions have been made to make this team worse. I mean, they went a whole winter before 2020. They basically decided, you know, to sign Garrett Cole. And that was it. That was the only move that was, they they said they needed to make. Like there's no other moves to bring in depth or anything. 
because of luxury tax. And this year, the moves we had already discussed and all the managerial decisions and all the injuries, like it's just such a, it's, it's so, it sucks to see such a promising team. And this is a promising team. This was the consensus best team in the American league before this year. And, you know, something has happened to this team to make it basically in a fight for their playoff lives. And I'm sure we'll, you know, even if they make the playoffs, there definitely will be a lot of ink, ink put to paper uh, about what um, what what happened to them this year. Because at the end of the day, they have not, unless they go on a run and they really turn it on in the playoffs, they have not lived up to expectations. And, you know, even if they slide in as a second wild card or play a tiebreaker or something, that's not the expectations. And this is a really talented team that um, has just, not not utilize its talent properly. I think the Luke Voigt decision is just the most damning indictment of that because you have the home run leader from last year who basically sits on the bench three out of every four games. And that's just, it's just sad because that's not, you know, that's not competitive baseball. He is an asset to this team and there is a very clear way he could be in the lineup and he just isn't. And yeah, I think we don't know a lot about what goes on, but um there's definitely some – I'd like to know who, who we can point fingers at. Um, I, I, do, I agree that the effort – you know, the effort's there. Like, and nobody doubts these guys want to win. I mean, they've been through so much in the last few years with all the playoff losses. They're probably more motivated to win than a lot of other teams' players. But you also can't deny they've been really sloppy this year. Like, this is not – I think back to the 2009 Yankees when they had that stretch of um, the most consecutive games without an error in – baseball history and this is almost the opposite of that it doesn't mean they haven't had success this year but they have been sloppy in the field they've been sloppy on the bases it has not been a, a fundamentally sound polished unit um and that's i mean that's just another thing we see every so often misplays and really important misplays that end up swinging games um so yeah, I, I think I mean the effort is there. I just I'm a little disappointed with the execution sometimes of the guys who are on the field. But I think the biggest issue is who are those guys on the field? And Aaron Judge can't do it by himself. And sometimes this year he's basically had to because of the regression by some guys and then the refusal to play other guys who are really good. Again, the 2020 home run leader of all of Major League Baseball sits on the bench 75% of the time. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's really disappointing and as you as you alluded to there's not a talent question with this team, there's not an effort question with this team, but they have played in really kind of undisciplined, uninspiring ways. Um I think I take less issue with the defense thing than you do. Um like errors get amplified in games that are closer than they should be oftentimes. Like I shouldn't have to be mad about Clay Holmes uh, pitching or, you know, making those wild pitches in a save situation against the Orioles and blowing the game because Clay Holmes shouldn't be pitching in a save situation against the Orioles because there should never be a save situation against the Orioles. And if it is, you shouldn't have had two save situations against the Orioles on the two previous days that required Aroldis Chapman to pitch. Like, that that one kind of blunder is bad on its own, sure. But it was created by the Yankees having to play in these close games with these really, really bad teams. Um, and it was created by the Yankees playing on that day a close game with a really bad team. Like, I, I've i said it a million times this year, and I'm going to keep beating this drum. If you watch the Yankees and your diagnosis of why the Yankees have underachieved is anything except they do not hit, you aren't paying attention. You are not paying attention. And, like, it's it's a shame, and it's really unfortunate, and it's probably the result of some bad luck and some, you know, juiced ball things and some other stuff. But, um, you know, weighted runs created, which does not remove pitchers, only has the Yankees ahead of Atlanta, and 
Milwaukee among playoff teams. Like, the Yankees are a bad offense. They're simply a bad offense. And the top seven teams in the league um, in weighted runs created are all in the playoffs. Oakland is eighth. They're right on the Yankees' heels. Um, But the Yankees are an average offense, and being an average offense does not win games. And it's incredibly disappointing that this turned out to be just an average offense, but my gosh, it's not, to me, about Glaber Torres making errors or whether his natural position is shortstop or second base. It's not, to me, about... um, you know, Anthony Rizzo's ability or inability to pick the ball at first base. It's not about which catcher is going to allow fewer passed balls. Um, And so many people make it about that. Like, does it, is it aesthetically pleasing to watch a good defensive team? Sure. Is, does it create some value to have Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor up the middle and, um, you know, as a result, turn some cool double plays, probably have better range at both positions than a lot of teams do. Yeah, I'm sure that's all, I'm sure that's all really terrific. And, um, you know, it, it must be, it must be so nice. But like, we worry about Gary Sanchez having seven, uh, seven pass balls in 102 games. Um, and that's, that's what we're worried about. You know, that's one passed ball every, I don't know, like 15 games or something. That's, that can't be a serious concern that we have. Can it? Like that, or, you know, Glaber Torres has uh, 19 errors this year in 114 games. Like, is that too many? Sure. But is Glaber Torres making an error every day? No, like it's in most games, the Yankees don't have an error. And that's it's 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 this stuff where we talk about wild pitches and pass balls and errors and, uh, you know, throwing to first when you could have thrown to second to try to turn two. like that stuff is glaring and it's noticeable and um, it affects how enjoyable it is to watch a team play defense. But the uh, you know run creation outcome of those events is often not huge because oftentimes an er- a run does not score on the play where an error or a defensive mental mistake or a wild pitch is committed. And baseball is still a sport where the pitchers have a huge advantage and the defense has a huge advantage. And therefore, having to get one extra out, although it feels like a huge task, is often handled pretty deftly. On the other hand, you know, never getting extra base hits has massive uh, run creation implications because you're only going to get so many hits. Like, I I understand your frustration. I know that it makes the team hard to watch. I know that it's annoying. I know that they seem brain dead at times. Um, But I would take a shortstop who makes 25 errors if he hits 38 home runs. Um, You know, I would take Luke Voigt at first base all day over Anthony Rizzo if Luke Voigt is going to be 2020 Luke Voigt. You know, the Yankees play and Judge in center field, for God's sake. Sometimes they acknowledge that they know this is true. Um, but it's just like, yeah, I understand that it's been a disappointing season and you want to, you know, focus on these specific disappointing things that the Yankees have done. But again, it's impossible for me to watch this team and even see them play bad defense and go, oh, yeah, the problem here is that they're bad defensively. I just, I cannot buy into that. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think it's the main problem, but I think when the fact is the offense is terrible and we're both acknowledging that. I I don't think it's, I'm annoyed that 
this team is bad because it doesn't a defense because it doesn't look good. I, I think they've put themselves in these situations where these plays are deciding the game. And so if you're not going to hit home runs, you have a clear path to win the game still. You just have to execute and be better at defense and better at run prevention than you are. It's not ideal. Sure. It's not the way that I think they're built to win games, but they can't do that either. I mean, they're they're shooting themselves in the foot and then they're shooting themselves in their other foot. And I think that what's unforgivable for me is that they like it. Yes, it is definitely stressful to play all these close games, but the they have to like that. The, the games they're playing, you can't you can't play another game. Like, they're not hitting, and so they're also not turning the plays on the field. And they're basically just not doing... Like, those plays are important because the Yankees, yes, they have put themselves in the position where they those plays take outsized importance. But if that's the game you're playing, you have to do well at that game. Like... That is the most, it's the most frustrating thing. And even then they're, you know, they're playing guys at like they have a, you know, that's where the Glaber stuff is frustrating because he's not hitting and he's hurting them in the field. He's not doing anything right. Like, again, they could, they could, you know, we've saw it where they were, um, they went on their 13 game winning streak and they were in playoff position and the offense wasn't world beating, but they were doing things, the little things, right? There was a path where this team could make the playoffs as a run prevention team, not how a team should make the playoffs, not how this team should make the playoffs, but given everything that's happened this year, that ostensibly could have been, you know, they could have been a pretty successful team with the potential to do better on offense. And instead they decided to not do anything. And that's the most frustrating thing. Like there is literally nothing except starting pitching that this team does well at this moment. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I just think that, you know, my the Yankees, I I truly believe this, and it would be hard to prove, and we may differ on it. I don't think the Yankees are a better team if they have, like, let me just make sure that he was actually as mediocre of a hitter as I think. Yeah, okay. The Yankees are not a better team if they have, like, you know, 2006 Placido Polanco uh, playing in the middle infield. Um, They're not. Uh, Because I understand that those plays are coming up a lot uh, because the Yankees are in these close games. But... Like, I, I just can't buy into the idea that the Yankees would win a ton of close games if their defense were better. I think they would this year. The, with the games that they're playing, if they were playing better defensively, they would have won some of those games that they had lost. I don't think the team should have been built like that. I wouldn't be confident in it going forward, but there have just been... And yeah, this is like twenty twenty hindsight. I don't... Like, I'm not saying things should have been done differently. I think the guys on the field need to be better in the field than they are. And that's not everyone, but it's a few guys. And there were definitely some winnable games this year that were, and your point is those games shouldn't even have been in that position in the first place, which I agree with. But the fact that they were, they should have, like, the fact that they can't execute on that level either is frustrating. And it's so like, should the, in your opinion, should the Yankees have accepted that they are now bad offensively? Like bad offense is their true natural state. And as a result, they should play Tyler Wade every day? Well, like, no, I don't think... Is, is that what you're saying? I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think Tyler Wade should have gotten more playing time this in the last few months. I don't think there's an accepting that you're a bad offense, but I think some realities, if, like, they're cold, hard truths that they have to accept, and they're still not accepting them with specific players. Well, the, I mean, what I'm trying to get at is... Look, I I maintain that a lot of the Yankees not living up to their projections this year is luck. It's about guys having uncharacteristically bad seasons all at once. Um, So the reason that I, or one of the reasons that I wanted the Yankees to stick with kind of, you know, dance with the one who brung them, so to speak, is that... I think that regression to the mean is still inevitable, even if it's inevitable in, you know, 2022. 
So the reason I'm saying you would have to accept that they're bad offensively as an inherent characteristic is no matter who Tyler Wade is replacing, he makes the offense worse. So his defensive run prevention value needs to be greater than the decrease in run creation that he, um, you know, that putting him in the lineup uh, generates. And this is, Mike Axisa was tweeting about this earlier today. Uh, people get mad at Gary Sanchez when he doesn't hit because he is not a good defender. But they do not get mad at Kyle Higashioka, who is a fine defender. There are stats where he's very good and there are stats where he's very bad. Uh, they don't get mad at Kyle Higashioka when he doesn't produce offensively because it's not Kyle Higashioka's job to produce offensively. But you know what doesn't create runs? Catching. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, but it, you could make the team better defensively by playing Kyle Higashioka and Tyler Wade, and I guarantee that team would win fewer games because Kyle Higashioka and Tyler Wade are black holes of offensive production. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it all comes down to the guys that they, you know, as you said, they came to the dance with not doing well. And I think that's the, the key. And, you know, I don't think that's going to change, unfortunately, in the next 10 games. I would love it if it did, but I just think there are bigger issues right now than things that are, like, there, I, I guess my, my overall point is I don't think that, like, this is, these are, there are bigger issues with this team than I think are going to be fixed in the next 10 games. And I, hope i hope a lot that it is really just regression to the mean and that next year you can come in and it's going to be a high performing offense but i don't know i worry i worry that some guys have taken steps back and we talked about this last week with the juice ball regression and you know i just i i hate when the team kind of runs out the same guys and hopes that things change and i know that's something you're more amenable to it's just tougher for me to accept and yeah, I honestly think the fact that we have this conversation is a good juxtaposition of the two sides of Yankees fandom and Yankees Twitter, because I think there are some people who are on your side, and I think there are some people who are more similar to how I think. And, you know, we none of us run the team, even though we probably should, because all the baseball people are dumb, as you said. Um, it'll be interesting to see where the Yankees go. But in the next 10 games, like this is not, they're not going to bring in anyone. This, they, it really has to be these guys on the field performing better. And nothing that I've seen is going to make that happen. And I think there's just, there's a lot of conflicting issues right now. But uh, if you were they, making, in the end, it's scoring. If you were making the lineup for the last 12 games, would you start Gardner, Higashioka, and Wade every day, or Gallo, uh, Sanchez, and Torres every day. I would. I'm very down on Glaber Torres. I would. I would. I would start Gary. The Gary Higashioka stuff is dumb because I think Gary is so much better than Higashioka at this point. Um, and I think Gardner provides value. And I, you know, it's funny because Voight should be in the lineup, but Gardner is honestly playing pretty well. Um, I would still start, you know, Gallo, Voight, Sanchez. I, I don't know about Torres. Like, I would seriously consider starting Wade more over him. Whipple, when was the last time a baseball team got better by scoring less? Glaber Torres is not helping you score runs right now. That is all I'm going to say. Is he not helping you score runs to the extent that Tyler Wade not helps you score runs? Tyler Wade had actually a pretty big play in the 4-3 to three comeback victory over the Orioles. Tyler Wade steals bases and walks a decent amount. Not saying he's going to do this forever, but right now he seems to be a more valuable asset on the bases and at the plate than Glaber. And I hate to say that, but I think it's true. Look, we're talking about a guy with a 68 career weighted runs created plus. I know he has great small sample size stats this year. I know. And that's sick. But I find it very hard to take that seriously. Uh, look, Whipple, I don't think there's any um, any hope of us resolving this. Um, the Yankees have been terrible. They've sown discord on the Yankees Files podcast, the once joke. Which, which upsets me. I, I like when we're happy and talking and making fun of Andrew Heaney I don't. I don't like fighting. So I. I come. I. You know. I come in open arms, even though we disagree. 
we we at least can uh, we can agree that friendship is better than discord they were we were once jovial and united and we are now divided and angry um but hey uh you know we got two more podcasts in this regular season we got this one and we got next week and we've been rating our confidence in this team out of 10 every week of this entire year so let me hear it I know mine is going to take a significant slide. It's tough because they have the opportunity if they if they want to. And I, we have said this all year, and I sound like a broken record, but if you go into Fenway and you go to Canada and you win a lot of games, you're going to probably be fine or at least be back into it. Having said that, I just nothing has made me confident about that. But the opportunity is there, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go down to a seven. Um, because I, I do think that this team, again, has shown they can turn it around when they want to. Um, you know, it starts on Friday with Cole at Fenway. And I think if they if they don't win that game, I just have a very bad feeling about the rest of the weekend. But I'm going to be I'm going to be optimistic because I think that there were some good signs this week. And, um, yeah, you have your ace on the mound in Fenway like you have to win that game and go from there and i say that as someone who saw our ace on the mound of fenway twice and <laughs> him not doing well but you know what is what is uh the baseball season if not just endless chances to be proven wrong about something yeah i i mean i see where you're coming from i think i'm down to a six just because it would be hard for me to talk for this entire podcast about the characteristics of good baseball teams and then say that the Yankees who don't have those characteristics are going to catch multiple teams that do like, you know, who leads every offensive statistic Toronto and the fact that they were like the best run differential team all year is finally catching up to their record. And the same thing is happening to the Yankees in the other direction. So look, you know, I've said it a million times. This team can get as hot as anyone and they can play the way that they are constructed to play and guys can play, you know, at their proper levels and they can really go off, but um, we've seen no indication that that's going to happen from this team. So I know it's there, and that's why I'm at a six. But uh, you know, the events of the last couple weeks and just this team's repeated inability to produce anything more than an anemic offense have me pretty down. But look, Whipple, it's a 12-game sprint to the finish, um, and we're going to see in exactly two weeks where this team is going and you know frankly i hope it means that you and i are going to yankee stadium for the wild card game uh i would settle for the yankees going to either boston or toronto but um i'm very worried that it's going to be out of a playoff spot but look i mean this is the journey of being a fan this is why we watch the games this is why we pick the worst year to start a blog and a podcast um but that's it for me. You got any parting shots? So the other reason I'm optimistic about the games in uh, Fenway this weekend is I will not be there. So I actually think that might be why my confidence is higher than yours, just by the fact that I will be many states away. And I hope that brings the Yankees luck because that's all that's all I can contribute right now, just not being at Fenway. I, I took my talents to Nationals Park this last weekend saw the Nationals lose twice to the Rockies, so the curse has traveled. Well, you heard it here first. Whipple has lifted and transferred the curse. We got 12 games left to make a playoff push and go win another World Series. Let's go Yankees.